1: your inside pass to everything saints football will take you to the places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist I the ball. turn Picks and touchdown
0: is frozen over.
1: of the 2022 season
0: it is going to be covered by the saints for a touchdown
1: Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. <laughs> oh, baby. Welcome in, Saints fans. We are inside black and gold with a post preseason edition. I'm Saints sideline reporter Steve Geller, along with Jeff Nowak, digital content producer for Odyssey and WWL.com. Excited to bring you the latest and greatest from the Saints as we get ready for the regular season opener, which is September 11th against Atlanta.
2: What we're mainly going to get into today is our kind of projections for the first 53-man roster that the Saints have to cut down to as of 3 p.m. on Tuesday. It's kind of a tight window, but I think it's important that we get our projections out there so that we can be on record as wrong. But first, this first segment, we're going to get into some of the news and notes that have emerged. You know, we have a rookie who's going to miss a good chunk of his rookie season. We have six players who got cut today. And I also want to talk a bit about Jameis Winston a very grateful man. So, Steve, why don't you kind of lead us into the first uh, first topic here?
1: Yeah, everybody always worries about, obviously, injuries in the preseason, and there were a few in that game against the Chargers, but none bigger than the rookie Trevor Penning, 19th overall selection of the Saints, left tackle. We saw him come off the field in a lot of pain, spent some time in the injury tent, then the cart came out, and when he was getting taken back to the locker room, you we, we could see his right cleat was off. And that it did not look good for the left tackle. And there was initial prognostications from, I think it was the NFL network saying it was turf toe, but then Jeff, we found that it was a little more serious. I think it was his
2: left foot. Did I say right? At the end of the day, it's like, whatever. It's one of his feet, right? It right. doesn't really matter right or left. It's going to be the same problem. I think the progn- the prognosis is it is turf toe, right? But, and turf toe it's a very weak sounding injury, right? Right. You're a big NFL player and you're like, Ooh, you have turf toe and you're going to miss how long, but no, it is a significant injury. And the injury itself is when you sprain the ligament that kind of connects your big toe to your foot. That's an important, very important part of your foot. Now it can be a a grade one sprain, grade two sprain, grade three sprain. And yeah, so a grade three sprain encompasses a tear, which is what we have here. So like, I saw a few people saying like, Oh, I thought it was turf toe. Now he has a torn ligament. That's the same the same injury, right? This just means it is the most significant version of that injury. And it's going to require surgery to repair because a ligament can't self correct that way, right? A bone will eventually if you set it, it will heal back and reset a ligament you you will need surgery just like an ACL or an MCL. So That is significant. And it means that Trevor Penning's rookie season is going to be either significantly shorter or done completely. And I think that's the question we need to answer is do the Saints intend to get him back? Do they think they can get him back later in the season? Because as we go through the roster projections, you know, that's gonna indicate that's gonna determine whether you keep him on the roster through the initial 53, kind of like you did with Will Lutz last year and then put him on IR because you can bring back up to eight players after four weeks. Or if you just don't think he's going to be back at all, you could put him on IR now save that roster spot, but that would end his season. So that's the question. And one way or another, it's just a bummer for for a young player who I thought was improving quickly. I thought he was progressing very well and uh, now he's kind of stuck.
1: Yeah. And what's kind of ironic is that the guy that he was battling for the starting job with in James Hurst also suffered a a toe injury in Green Bay not not turf toe at least we weren't you know we're not led to believe that but Dennis Allen at least said after the preseason game against the Chargers that Hurst is expected back as a Saints favorite saying sooner rather than later I feel like James Hurst is going to be back sooner rather than later Um, so that's obviously you know a good thing good thing usually when we've heard Dennis Allen saying sooner rather than later that person's pretty much been there the next day
2: Yeah. So the track record on Dennis Allen is when he says sooner rather than later, that person is on the field the next day. Now, the Saints don't practice today, which is Sunday, but they do practice on Monday. So (laughs) if that track record holds, we might see James Hurst out there on Monday in one way or another. When the coach says that, it's a good indicator that, like, you know, we got two weeks to get ready for this this Saints-Falcons opener. And if he's already feeling confident about his status, and that's a good thing relative to James getting out there. And that makes you feel a lot better about, okay, who's going to be the left tackle week one, because if if we know Trevor's not going to be out there and it better be James Hurst, because I don't know who else it's going to be. We can kind of get into these cuts now because one of the cuts was Derek Kelly, who I'm kind of surprised by because they signed him, you know, late in the preseason, but he was the first player off the bench at left tackle in that final preseason game. And I thought he played pretty well, but he got cut today. He was one of the six players that got cut. So maybe Louis kid, you know, maybe it's uh, you know, waiver claim a or waiver claim B uh, but you're going to have to figure out who that backup left tackle is. And uh, it's not going to be Derek Kelly unless they they're just messing around when they're going to bring him back. But yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's definitely a position now that they're, I would think they're going to be looking for obviously when these other teams, are going to be cutting down their rosters as well at the same time of finding maybe someone along that avenue. I I don't imagine them going after in a trade situation at all with another team to shore up the spot. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to look hard at the players that
2: get cut because every team is cutting 27 players. And there's going to be interesting names out there. And you're not looking for a starter, right? You're looking for a backup. You, you'll have some options, right? Because you're not expecting them to start anyway. So kind of like you brought in James Hurst a few years back, the being a veteran in any capacity is a good thing when you're trying to find a fill a backup spot. So I think they'll be able to find somebody if they don't feel comfortable with Lewis Kidd. Well, a big key is going to be his
1: Landing Young healthy too.
2: Yeah, Landon Young has also been hurt. Um, but, you know, it didn't sound like it was anything super significant. And he's obviously not the starter. So if he is a little dinged up, you might not need to go out and find anybody because you trust Ramcheck to be healthy anyway. But yeah, it's definitely making things more complicated if we want to go through and just list the, the players who were cut today, which is Sunday. Um, so we, they, they got the first six names out of the way. So now they're down to 74 players. They also reached an injury injury settlement with Kevin White. So he is off IR players. They cut offensive lineman Kalique Washington, Obviously, Derek Kelly, as we had mentioned, two cornerbacks, Quentin Meeks, Brian Allen. They were both USFL guys that you brought midway through camp. And, you know, I don't think it's a particular surprise they got cut. You know, they were depth guys and they were going to get cut either way. But I thought they played reasonably well, just kind of showing their skill set. Hopefully they can latch on somewhere else. Defensive tackle, Josh Black. And then the one that kind of stands out and the one that will be interesting to watch over the next 24 hours, to if anyone claims him is uh, running back Abram Smith, a guy that I know a lot of fans were hoping to see make the roster. But I think this is the right move. I think that he's a he's a guy you want on the practice squad. He's a guy, I think, who has some, some serious upside down the road. But I don't think he's ready to contribute in his rookie season. So I think it makes sense to try to stash him on the practice squad. But he has been cut already.
1: Yeah, I think he, you know, we showed some flashes of him, obviously, at practice. Not really anything extraordinary during the preseason for him, but a guy that, I think everybody had some high hopes for coming out of Baylor, you know, broke the rushing yards record there, his final season, and seemed to be, you know, that kind of physical, compact running back you thought could be someone to contribute on this roster. And yeah, I, I always thought he'd be someone that ended up on the practice squad. I just didn't know if initially he'd be on the active roster first. And then, and you know, to protect them, that'll be interesting to see if any other squads in the NFL have any interest in them.
2: Yeah, I would expect they can they can put them on the practice squad. I don't I don't think that, you know, every other team is having, you know, difficult decisions to make, too. Right. No team is like sitting there. We're like, wow, we only have 44 players. Let's go claim all of the intriguing names off these other rosters. And plus, you know, I think that to some extent, and I think Mike Dettelier brought this up on first take the other day. Like, if you start claiming guys off of other teams' rosters that they want to keep around and they want to stash in the practice squad, they're going to remember that. And they're going to come after your guys, you know? So I think that to some extent, teams are aware of that. And they're not like just like they're picking guys up only in situations where they really feel confident this player can contribute right away or like they think they see something in a guy that other teams that other teams are overlooking. Because you have to keep them on the active roster if you claim them. It's not like you can claim them and then send them to your practice squad. They have to be on the active roster for three weeks, and then you have to do something with them after that. So, I think they'll be fine. But he is one of the players. If there's four or five players on this roster that might, you know, have someone, you know, pique their curiosity, he's one of them. But I do think that he's a guy who, you know, maybe next year, if you can keep him around, you can bring him back when, you know, ideally, when Alvin Kamara gets suspended, because if they are able to push it till next year. You know, hopefully he's a guy then that you can that you can lean on because he's a year in. And, well, uh, hopefully, we'll hopefully
1: ideally, he never gets suspended, though.
2: Oh, yeah. Maybe he can just drag this court case out <laughs> until he retires, like until his career is over.
1: Or he's got a really
2: good lawyer and then everything's dropped. Well, then he'll get suspended. That's the thing. I don't think that even the case getting dropped will stop it from getting suspended. That's the thing. Like that's that's the NFL discipline, because they're going to say you broke the personal conduct policy either way. Now, I think from a legal perspective, he would be way better off if the case got dropped and he doesn't have to face criminal charges in the you know in Las Vegas. Absolutely, right. But from a from a suspension perspective, and that's what threw his wrench in. <laughs> yeah, you could you're better off dragging it out if you don't want to get suspended this season. So that's going to be the interesting thing. But, but still,
1: um, I know we've talked about it before a little bit. What's so wild too with that Kamara case is the fact that we still haven't seen this supposed video that's that there's of the whole incident. And that's that's just really surprising to me. I guess it's uh, under lock and key very well. Yeah,
2: I'm. I would guess so. Someone brought this up. I can't remember who, but they were saying like the Tyreek Hill case. Like a lot of that stuff was sealed by a judge. So like releasing it would be a crime. And like that's the difference, right? If you're just if if this is just a video and you're releasing it, no one's gonna go to jail if they, you know, get 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 caught. In this case, if it's sealed by a judge, then that is that is that is illegal. So that's part of what makes it, I think, is probably what's going on and keeping that under wraps. But kind of changing course here and going to a player that we did get to see and we will get to see this season is uh Jameis Winston, who I thought looked fantastic. We're not going to get into too much from the preseason game because it happened you know a couple days ago at this point and those Friday games are tough to react to on a on a on a Monday, but his performance in that game gives you, you know, as someone who's just wondering what the saints offense is going to look like. I mean, you have to be confident. I mean, how can you not come away from that and feel confident about what this team can do, knowing that, you know, the defense is the strength of this team and the offense looked that good. I know the charges didn't play their starters. I know that, but you know, this is the first time Jameis has been on the field since Halloween of last year. I don't care who's
1: playing defense. He looked good. Yeah, and he brought that up too. It was the fact that, you know, he was out there for the first time since getting injured Halloween in the same place, you know, the same the, in the Superdome. And he looked confident. I thought it was great. Obviously, you saw him take a shot or two, was able to get up, recover from that, was not an issue. Uh, the knee was fine. The foot looked fine. And we still haven't seen him yet even connecting with Michael Thomas in a live game. No, but I'll tell you one thing he's grateful. You know bit. how I know that? Because he said it 10
2: times in a four-minute interview after the game. 10 times. I'm waiting for you to hit it. Oh, you want me to prove it to you? Okay. Yes, I, I don't believe you. You don't believe me?
1: Okay, here you go. Grateful, man. I'm so grateful for the opportunity just to be back in this dome and play in front of our fans and get a chance to execute. But Like I said, I'm just grateful. Like I said, I'm just grateful to be out there, man. It, it, was, it meant a lot. Just gratitude, man i just kept telling the lord thank you thank you i just was grateful to be back man and thank you but what i was really grateful for was just the opportunity to go out there and do that and compete so thank you to d.a i'm grateful for every chance i get out there on the field i'm happy i was able to go out there and execute i forget i'm just grateful that (laughs) that he gave me the heads up that i'm gonna go out there and and ball and i told him thank you i'm just grateful that uh, I was able to be out there with my teammates and compete and be back out there in the dome in front of these fans. My gratitude for being out there is way more important than complete passes. I, completed I mean, all of his
2: passes. Yeah, he completed all four, 459 four yards. And, you know, I, I, I'm just poking a little fun because after listening to that, I wanted to go back and kind of figure out how many times did he actually say the word grateful? He said, you know, whether it was grateful or gratitude, he said it 10 times in four minutes, which – you know, if you, you got a message you want to get across, you get it across. And I'm not going to fault him for that. And I do think he was being genuine. Um, I'm not going to say he was, you know, acting or anything. It was just kind of funny. And I appreciate it. I appreciate that he is that he is grateful. And he should be because that was not a easy road for him to come back. Like, however that Friday went for him, one way or another, it was going to be a, a big, major landmark moment for him in his career because coming back from a major knee injury is not a guarantee. Not everyone can do it. And he attacked his rehab. He went through it all. He came back. He never missed a minute of OTAs or mini camp. And now he's back. So good for him.
1: Yeah. And I think it was funny. Like I mentioned, he was perfect four for four. He had Andy Dalton five for five again. Perfect. So between those two, they did not have an incompletion this entire preseason.
2: Yeah, it was something like 14 for 14 for like 100. I tweeted this, the number for like 170 yards and a touchdown pass, um, which is, you know, it's not bad considering, you know, a majority of that was going to like Marquez Callaway. And <laughs> I thought Jarvis Landry also looked really good. I mean, Jarvis, you know, I asked Jameis about this after the game. And so on second and 14, there were two guys open underneath. I think it was Jawan Johnson and Alvin Kamara. And like, these were these were wide open throws on second and 14 you could have hit either of those and it's just a free money six to eight yard gain just to turn a second and 14 into a third and manageable right and if this was last year I don't care who's running that route up the field you need to throw it to Alvin Kamara or Jawan Johnson and make it a third and manageable because whoever you're targeting is not going to endear Uh, confidence and gender confidence, because it would have been maybe Kenny Stills, Kevin White, Traquan Smith, right? Any of those guys, I don't have faith throwing the ball to, so you want to make it third and manageable. In this case, it's Jarvis Landry. So all of a sudden, that throw is the smart throw, because I have more faith in Jarvis Landry getting open and catching the ball than just about anybody. So it's like, that's the difference between having weapons and not having weapons, because when you have weapons, it can make a questionable decision, the right decision. And I think that's what you saw there.
1: And you brought up Traquan Smith, and it's going to be interesting to see how serious his shoulder injury is, because is that going to free up now a roster spot for someone like a Kirk Merritt or a Dejon Dixon to end up making this roster? Yeah,
2: we are get into more of that in the second segment. But yeah, he um, the fact that he's dealing with an injury now does not help his case. I've been pretty confident about him making the roster all throughout camp, and now I'm questioning it because you know once you once you add a add a shoulder injury. And suddenly now, instead of one drop in the end zone, like that play worked out, the play he got hurt on, and he kind of like flipped it up into the air and Marquise oh, like, Callaway caught it and right. ran in. That's a terrible play by him. If you see the replay, the Chargers defender tipped it when it was up in the air. Like he got a hand on it. So it was that close to, you know, instead of being an incompletion, being an interception. And because it worked out, you kind of gloss over it. But I guarantee you the coaches aren't glossing over that.
1: But that in- it did end up being a Saints completion though.
2: Yes. But not because Trey Kwan made a good no. play. And that's my no, point. Like Marquez gets credit for being alert and catching it. And he should have got a touchdown if the refs just could stop doing stupid things when the Saints play football in front of them. They love um, blowing the whistle on the Saints. Marquez gets credit for being alert. But like Trey, it made a terrible play. <laughs> and that's not going to help his case. And for a guy who you have him on the roster because you trust him to make the right play and to do the smart thing. I don't think he intentionally batted the ball up in the air, but, you know, not being able to make plays that you should make is not a good sign for you trying to make that roster. And I think, you know, we'll get into this more. But, yeah, I I, I, I took him off my projection. and uh, He's in your doghouse. Yes, yes. He had a chance to really kind of secure his spot, and I don't think he did. Um, so we're going to hit the break. Remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast, inside Black and Gold. Remember to give us five stars. Rate and review let us know what you're thinking and stick around we're going to start with our offensive roster projections not offensive offensive roster projections let's get at it
0: you ready
1: showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy
0: do doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes
1: Back in for another segment of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak bringing you now our offensive 53-man roster projections with the season opener, September 11th against Atlanta coming up. The Saints got to be down to that 53-man roster by 3 o'clock on Tuesday. And obviously, those numbers aren't going to be set either because you're going to have other teams releasing players and there could be a little jostling going on but for now who we have going into that we're going to start off with quarterback and i think that's pretty much cut and dry easy peasy to to talk about yeah i think um
2: so i put up my my final roster projection on wwl.com so if you're follow if you're listening and you want to follow along go check that out and i've been putting updated ones up each week and the first one i put in book on there because i kind of just wasn't sure how this was going to look and how he was going to look if he took a major step forward and kind of forced you to keep him on the roster. I thought he had a chance, but I think as we saw throughout training camp, he's not ready to be a backup quarterback, at least not, you know, for the saints. Um, And he does, he hasn't done enough to justify keeping a third quarterback on the active roster. So I, but I do think that
1: he is a guy who you're going to prioritize on the practice squad. He finally Um, had that game we were looking for. I feel like in that preseason finale, at least, although yeah, the, the Chargers defense wasn't anything fantastic, but Book, Book did a solid job that night. No, he played well. He didn't turn the ball over. I thought that
2: two-minute drive before halftime was impressive. You know, that's that's not easy to do. I don't care who the defense is. He came in with 57 seconds left. He got him into field goal range. He made sure they got points before the half. And that's what you have to do as a quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, he didn't turn the ball over in that game. He used his legs. Um, and, you know, he, he played a lot like the way Taysom Hill played in the games you won last year, right? Like he took his chances where it made sense. He got yards with his legs. He made sure his, he got his playmakers the ball where they could do something and he didn't lose them the game. Um, and that's, that was the difference between what happened in the first two games and that game, you know, and it helped that Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston both led touchdown drives, but Ian Book led a touchdown drive of his own. So he gets credit for that. And I think that he's going to be a guy on special teams that actually has value because you need, you know, I think I was talking to Sean Fazen to Fox eight about this. You need someone on the practice squad who can simulate some of these mobile quarterbacks, right? The Lamar Jacksons, obviously I'm not comparing being booked to Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying, you know, he has a skill set that the other saints quarterbacks don't, which is he can run around. He can simulate that mobile quarterback, you know, a Deshaun Watson, um, a Marcus Mariota even. So I think that's good to have. That's what you want on the scout team. So, you know, good for Ian. He did take a step forward. And, you know, I don't know what his future is as a as a quarterback in the NFL, as a backup quarterback in the NFL. If he could be a Chase Daniel, that would be a dream for him. We saw Chase Daniel with the Chargers. But what you want to see out of young players, particularly quarterbacks, is that they seem to be progressing. They don't have to be perfect. And Ian has certainly not been perfect. But I do think that if you go from the preseason opener to the preseason finale, you saw a big step forward in his composure and his accuracy with the football, and making the right decisions. So good for him. But from a roster perspective, you're sitting at two, you got and Andy, <laughs> and there's no question. You're happy about it.
1: Yeah. Like you were saying with book, I, the, the question will still be, is he, is he able to be a backup quarterback in this NFL still? I think you're right about him not making the roster, but should be a guy that gets brought back on the practice squad. And one thing that was interesting too, in the preseason finale, Look like he really has developed uh some chemistry with Lucas Kroll, who turned into his uh his security blanket almost. At one point he had thrown seven passes
2: and four of them were targeting Lucas Kroll. And he's another guy who I think is going to end up on the practice squad. We can kind of since we're already talking about Lucas Kroll, let's go to the tight end. Sure. Now, I still think you're keeping four. And the reason is I want to make sure my blocking is as good as it can be week one in Atlanta with Jameis Winston playing his first NFL game since the knee injury, right? And I have questions about Troutman's availability. I think he'll be back, but I'm not sure. And I don't trust Jawan Johnson, Taysom Hill, or Lucas Kroll to be the primary blocking tight end if Troutman is not 100%. And so like, even if you think he's going to be 100% in two weeks, but you're not sure, I think you have to keep Vanette around because I don't want to send Jawan Johnson or Taysom Hill out there and have him line up in line and try to block a defensive end. I don't want to. So I think that's what might save Nick Vanette on this roster. And so right now, I have Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, Jawan Johnson, Taysom Hill as my four keepers. I still don't see Taysom Hill as really a tight end. I know he's playing tight end, but I still see him kind of independent of that. Like when you're talking about the number of tight ends you're keeping, I think you're keeping three and Taysom kind of like last year, you kept two quarterbacks and Taysom, right?
1: Yeah. And I totally agree with you with the keeping four tight ends. It just seems the kind of looked like he was on that bubble for this team. And he had some flashy moments, but you saw him play deep into the preseason as well. And I guess it's easy to overlook a guy like him since he does the quote unquote dirty work in the trenches for you. And the fact that there's going to be some questions along the offensive line now for the saints as well. I think having another key blocker at tight end is going to be crucial for the team. And Vanette fills that spot over a guy like Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson, who had J- Johnson has bulked up and was, has been working more at the tight end position, but you still don't have that trust factor as much there as Vanette, who's more, uh, more of a veteran experience doing it. No, and yeah, and yeah, DA has kind of
2: lauded Juwan for improving his blocking, right? So he has gotten better in that regard. But I still, you know, this team likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. If you go back to that first drive with Jameis in the preseason game, he had a lot of blocking in front of him. That's why the fact that he went four for four, I thought was pretty impressive because – you were talking like two man route combinations downfield against, you know, five defenders and Jarvis still found a way to get open. So that's, that's why I'm keeping Vinette around. I'm still not convinced he sticks around, but unless they make a trade, I think he could have value in a trade. You might be able to get a low end asset back. Cause I think that, you know, a veteran tight end with starting experience isn't, they don't grow on trees and some team might just, you know, feel like they need an extra blocker, an extra kind of veteran in the room. So you never know, but I'm keeping him on the roster for now. So that's my room. Lucas Kroll, I like. I think he's a he's a priority practice squad guy. The only team that I feel like might might jump and uh, take the bait is uh, Pittsburgh. Because you might want to reunite Kenny Pickett and Lucas Kroll. But I still think he's safe on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, I mean, the showing that he had last game might be a little enticing to teams. But I don't think anybody else there's is coming to claim Kroll either. But, yeah, he's definitely an interesting developmental guy that you want to see stick around for this team.
2: Yeah, so now going to running backs and fullbacks, I have them keeping four. It's a little bit of a cop-out because I think Adam Prentice, one of Adam Prentice or J.P. Holtz, who we didn't talk about the tight end position, one of them will be on this roster, but I don't think they make the opening roster. Kind of like Alex Arma last year, where you're confident you can bring him back, so you're going to use that roster spot somewhere else because you know that a guy, you know, who we haven't talked about yet, and like Trevor Penning, if you're going to keep him on the roster and put him on IR, then that's going to open up a spot and you can bring him back then. And you're not worried about anyone claiming Alzheimer's. So, that's kind of where I land. So, you're talking Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Dwayne Washington, Tony Jones Jr.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure quite how this team views Kirk Merritt. I mean, we, talk, we talked about him obviously having that switch in practice to playing running back. But then in the preseason finale, he was lined up a receiver. And I know he's got that capability, but I just don't think Merritt's going to end up making this team, if he does, as a running back. So I totally agree with you there on who the Saints will be keeping at the back position.
0: I mean, I'm going to just leave it, up, leave it up to the coaches to decide that. But, I mean, it's all out of my hands. Um, I did what, what I could do for the preseason, and hopefully it is.
2: Yeah. And that was Kirk Merritt kind of talking about whether he feels like he's done enough to make the team. And he did the, you know, good soldier thing. And he was like, I'm going to leave it up to coaches, blah, blah, blah. I did ask him cause he didn't play running back. He played running back all week in practice, but in the game, he played wide receiver and I thought he had his best game at wide receiver. He caught a touchdown. I think he had four catches for 32 yards. Um, but he's, I asked him like, if the plan was for him to play running back and wide receiver and it was kind of just see how it went. No, he was, the plan going in was for him to play wide receiver. So it was kind of a red herring where we watched it all week in practice and we were all excited. Oh, what's it going to look like a running back? And then uh, we didn't get to see it. But Oh, oh so, that
1: tricky Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael.
2: Yeah. And so when we look at that, we kind of see – and I apologize if there's a dog barking in the background. He, uh, I asked him to quiet down and he said no. He actually – well, now I heard him, but before you couldn't. Zuma, shut up. Why are you barking? Anyway. I still view him as a wide receiver in terms of this roster projection. Um, So you kind of just go from there, but I think you're keeping four. As we know, you know, the Saints have made this projection a lot simpler because as of right now, these are the only four running backs on the roster because they already cut Devina Zigbo and they already cut uh, Abram Smith as of today. So, you know, unless they decide to keep three and maybe cut Dwayne if he's dealing with an injury or cut Tony because they feel confident in Dwayne, I think that this is the safe, uh, the safe group at running back. I'm agreeing with you. Totally there. Okay. So now we have two positions left. We'll go through them quick. Wide receiver, the guys I'm keeping Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Deontay Hardy, Marquez Calloway, and stop. That's the end. <laughs> to me, the question was not whether you keep Trey Quan Smith or somebody else. To me, the question was whether you're keeping five or six receivers. And I think that with what we saw from Trey, with him now dealing with an injury, I am comfortable only keeping five wide receivers. And especially now that I know I have to keep probably an extra lineman to account for Trevor Penning's injury.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think you're going to keep six receivers either. That One one of the guys is going to be inactive every week and isn't worth the roster spot to me. And I think that a guy like Kirk Merritt will likely clear waivers and will be able to join the practice squad. What was really interesting, and I know you made uh, the initial note of that, and then everybody seemed to catch on, was the fact that a guy like Rashid Shaheed was someone that we were expecting to see at wide receiver and in the return game. And the team kind of, quote unquote, hid him from the eyes of the rest of the NFL. Even in that preseason finale, you had Deontay Hardy back there, fair catching balls when that's a total time when you should have been having the undrafted rookie out there.
2: Yeah, I think I was spot on with that. Because he was out there in uniform, he was not like high. They they didn't they didn't say he was injured. They didn't pretend he was injured. He just didn't play. And there's no reason Deontay Hardy should have been out there returning that punt. Now he didn't return it. He fair caught it. It could have been the best return setup of his life. He was not returning that kick. It was almost like you know maybe Marquez like you know he had to like get his shoe retied. And they're like, oh crap, someone get out there and catch it, you know and. It's like no, not Rashid. <laughs>
1: like, come on. <laughs> we don't want to give any kind of stats or film for the other team. Right. If they want to come for him, it's going to have to be strictly on his college tape. Yeah,
2: and I, 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 and I don't fault it. You know, I think it's a smart move because, like, from what, like I said in the last podcast, what I've seen in practice, I feel very confident about his abilities, and I don't need to see him return a kick in a preseason game to know that he can be a legitimate threat in the return game. But I do think that other teams might because not every team in the NFL has been sitting there staring at this guy in practice, right? So uh, I think I was right on there. And uh, I think he's going to be a guy that you you hear on the practice squad if you can get him there. But yeah, Dejan Dixon's another guy I think is going to get be on the practice squad, Kirk Merritt. And I think this is just a really good wide receiver group that, you know, last year, some of these guys might have had a chance and this year they don't. And uh, Trey, I, I'm interested to see what happens. You know, the thing is, if you keep six wide receivers, it could be because you want to stash Trey on IR and hope and be able to bring him back later in the season when, you know, you don't know what your status is going to be. Right. If you end up in week eight and suddenly you're dealing with a couple injuries at wide receiver, it'd be nice to be able to bring Trey off the practice squad and have a guy who knows your offense and you you have some confidence in. But in order to do that, you would have to keep him on the 53. So that's kind of my caveat here. If you're not doing that, then you're cutting Trey. If you are doing that, then you could see them keep six, revert him to IR, and then and then bring somebody back. But that would mean like you've already you're already probably doing that with the fullback. So that means that you're going to have to do it with somebody else and, and eliminate a roster spot there. So that's where the, that's where it gets tricky.
1: Yeah, and you don't have to worry about someone like Kawam Baker either, who is also he's suspended for the first six games of the year.
2: Okay, so the last spot on the offense, the offensive line. Now this is this is really simple until it's not, right? <laughs> Ryan Ramchick, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, Caesar Ruiz, James Hurst. That's your starting offensive line. There's no question, right? Behind them, Calvin Throckmorton, Landon Young, Trevor Penning. Assuming Trevor's not going to be expected out for the season, those are your three backups. Now it gets confusing there though because yeah, that's eight players. And you now don't have a backup left tackle. So you got to keep somebody. I thought it might be Derek Kelly, but he got cut today. So the next logical option is Lewis Kitt. The other question is, do you keep Nick Martin as a backup center? I think you do. But if you do, and you keep all of those guys, that is 10 offensive linemen. That is a lot of offensive linemen to keep on an initial roster, even with the expectation that you're going to put Trevor Penning on IR. At least that's my expectation. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you have to do, but it's going to be complicated elsewhere. And that's why I think suddenly you're like, man, okay, maybe we only keep the five wide receivers. But I think that group is what you have to have.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what they do with Lewis Kidd. I think he's a guy, obviously, will provide depth for you. And somebody that I know in college played uh, up and down the offensive line has that versatility for you. But um, the injury with Penning kind of throws a little monkey wrench into things. and. I'm, I'm definitely hoping it's not a season ending thing for him just for his development's sake. I didn't, I don't think you expected him to start. I didn't expect him to start right off the bat. Hopefully, though, James Hurst's toe injury that he has as well is really something that is sooner or later, like Coach said. And we see him back at practice this week and ready to roll week one. But suddenly now that offensive line, there's a little more questions on it going into week one than there was initially. Yeah, and I think one of the
2: reasons you're confident in James Hurst is because you know that if he struggles, you have a first round rookie who's getting better every week. And you know, maybe by week six, week eight, if it's not going great with James or if he's a little banged up, then you could turn to Trevor. And by then, I'd feel confident that he has picked up a lot, all the technique he needs, and maybe he has some rookie year struggles. But generally speaking, he's going to be a Mauler in the run game, and you give him a little extra help with a tight end, and you're you feel okay with it. Now you're not in that situation. Now, if James Hurst goes down, then you are truly starting a UDFA at left tackle, and that's not where you want to be. So, yeah, it's that injury, while it's not affecting a starter, it does eliminate like a very key piece of depth behind a guy who, if you had to pick one player on the offensive line that, you know, could struggle when the games get real, it's got to be James Hurst at, in terms of just pedigree, in terms of, you know, all these other guys, first round, second round draft picks and
1: he's not (laughs) so I will say there are still concerns I think for for with Cesar Ruiz we've seen some growth and development there but definitely a guy that uh, there's big questions on and then just the injury history of Andres Pete obviously is concerning as well going into the year
2: yeah but I mean when I say that I mean more like expectations wise right like you expect Cesar Ruiz to play like a first round pick you expect Eric McCoy to play like a first round pick Andres Pete Ryan Ramchick right you don't have those expectations for James Hurst, so like it's not a question of whether he can be a starting left tackle. It's whether he has the physical attributes to hold up as a starting left tackle, right? Because if he did, he would have been a first round pick. <laughs> so that's where that's where I wonder. But I do I do like James. I think he works hard. He's a veteran. He's savvy. I think he can he can make it work. And hopefully, this is a question we never have to answer. So I think that is the offense to twenty five players right there. And uh, I think it's a solid group.
1: Yeah, and seeing the running back position to me was really a huge bonus. Obviously, in that final preseason game, just Camara and Ingram together, zoom and boom. Both of those guys obviously look fresh and ready to roll. But you know, Camaro has looked fantastic all camp. Excited to see what he does in the regular season. I think fantasy projections have him a little low going in this into this year. Yeah, I mean.
2: If he wasn't facing a suspension. Yeah. Like, if there was no question of whether he gets suspended six games. And I still think that the odds are he won't get suspended this year. But if he wasn't facing a suspension at any point, he would be a top three fantasy running back. Amen, right. The fact that he's he's got this suspension looming over his head and he's still going in the late first round, early second round of drafts just tells you how good he is. Like, they are baking in... the the expectation that he's going to miss a third of the season, and he is still at the lowest the second round pick. So I think that, yeah, the expectation for Al Kamara is that he balls out and he looks like he's ready to do that. So I'm looking forward to seeing it.
1: Hopefully behind a stout and healthy offensive line. Yes. All right.
2: I think that's going to wrap it up for the offense now on to... The defense. I'm cutting Will Lutz, how about you? (laughs) Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Make sure to mash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We like talking to y'all and you like listening to us, I think. One thing I'll mention is uh, Jim from Covington. If you're listening, thank you for the review. It was very friendly. We did not pay Jim from Covington, but he says we're his favorite podcast tonight. And I believe him. So that was nice. I just want to make sure you guys know we do read that. And uh, it is nice to see. So thanks for everyone who left feedback. Thanks for everyone who left a rating. Thanks for everyone who subscribes. And for y'all subscribers, we're going to go through the defense now with our 53-man roster projections. Hopefully you're listening to this before 3 p.m. on Tuesday because <laughs> if you're listening to it after 3 p.m. on Tuesday, You're just going to hear how wrong we are at all these positions, right? Uh, No, I think we have it pretty on point. So we're going to start with the defensive line. I think the defensive line is probably the easiest position to project on this roster because top to bottom just feels pretty stout. Obviously, the top four, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson. And then the final D end, I think, is Tano Passigno. And I think you've seen enough from all these guys. Taco Charlton is really the only kind of, name you wonder about but i don't think he's done enough what do you feel about the dns
1: no i i would have the same exact crew right there um more concerned about what we're gonna see from a guy like peyton turner had a really quiet preseason kind of came to life against the chargers game with some good pressures but i want to see i thought we'd see a lot more of him especially when he was playing deep into some of these preseason games and still didn't hit home on any you know on any of these uh, opposing quarterbacks
2: yeah, I think he's still got some work to do. But remember, he's effectively still a rookie, right? I mean, he played in three games last year, so I think there is a learning curve that he is still getting to. But I, I expect some. It might have been four, five. I don't I think it was it five. Either way, he didn't see a. I mean, he was active for five games. Right, I right. Think he only got snaps in three games. I got you. Um, but either way, that's not obviously a lot of NFL football. So I think there is still a learning curve for him in terms of the game action. But I think in practice, he has looked really good. And I think it's just a matter of getting that to click. And he has remained healthy, which is important. You know, last year during camp, he was hurt the whole time. So it's good to see him healthy. And I think the important thing about this group is if you can keep it healthy, you have a really good rotation. So that in the fourth quarter of games, you're bringing in guys who are fresh and, and you can continue to get after it. And that's not something you had last year. Uh, you, you were lucky if you could feel two of these guys in a game. And uh, I think that's going to be a big, a big part of how the Saints win games is not only covering, but getting after the passer. And it's going to make up for what I would argue is a suspect linebacking core.
1: Yeah, I was really excited about what Carl Granderson was doing most of camp. But then a, I guess an injury kind of bug hit him. We haven't really heard much. And we haven't really seen much out of him in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I
2: think he was hurt for the Chargers game. He's missed the last couple of days of practice, so we'll see from him, but I do think that he's pretty safely on that roster. If we kind of shift to defensive tackle, I think there may be some questions here mostly because of the an injury to Malcolm Roach in that Chargers game that we don't really know the significance of. And so, I think he had pretty pretty safely secured his spot on the roster assuming he he's not hurt, right? So hopefully that's the case because the roster I have here, and I still think it's pretty solid. And this is defensive tackle: David Onyemata, Malcolm Roach, Shy Tuttle, Kentavious Street. I think that's a very good group. Jordan Jackson is really the only one I have a question about whether you want to keep around the sixth round draft pick because you don't like cutting your own draft picks. But I think a sixth rounder you can you can get away with it, and you're going to stash him on the practice squad, and I think you'll feel good about it. But if Malcolm Roach is hurt, maybe you keep Jordan instead. And you just bump everyone up and you put Jordan at the bottom of that list as kind of the rotational uh, depth. But that's who I have.
1: A positive from the Roach injury, at least, is the fact that while he did get looked at, obviously, it seemed like they just taped him up some more and he was able to stay on the sideline and didn't have to go to the locker room or get carted off or anything. He was still out there and able to participate. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see between Tuttle and Roach, if Tuttle can end up getting more snaps than him kind of thing. But I, I, other than that big gaff in Green Bay, I thought Malcolm Roach has had a pretty good offseason as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty telling of how good he has been overall that we are not holding that play in Green Bay against him more than we are. Because that's the type of play that could, like it's like Abram Smith fumbled on the goal line and that completely kind of changed his outlook for his his chances this season, I think. And I, that play for Malcolm could have done the same thing, but the way he responded to it was so positive and the way he responded in practice days after that, that I, I feel pretty good about, you know, his ability to, to make an impact on this roster.
1: I mentioned to you when the cuts came out about the rookie Josh black, it was almost like a player. I was like, wait a minute, who is this guy?
2: Yeah. I couldn't even tell you his number. And I know all the numbers. Actually, no, it was 57. <laughs> I do know that. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think that that position is pretty easy to project. Um, the next position, I think you could go a number of ways, and that is linebacker. Now, the top two, I think you can set in stone, you know, assuming Pete Werner is healthy, which is Demario Davis, Pete Werner, and then the last member of that list, I think Andrew Dowell is pretty safe as a special teams contributor, but then like the next two or three is a question. So the guys I have, I'm keeping six because I think because you don't know who your backup is, you don't know who the depth is. You need to keep an extra, an extra linebacker just to just to have an idea of what you're looking at. Plus I think, you know, you're keeping someone so that, you know, it's almost like a placeholder at that position, just in case a linebacker you like, gets cut and you can pick him up and bring him in and uh, kind of set it. But uh, so the uh, the three I'm keeping, Caden Ellis, Nephi Sewell, and Eric Wilson. Now that means you're cutting Zach Bond, Chase Hansen, and John Bostick. And I feel okay with that. I I think Zach has had his chance on this roster and he is just not. I don't think it's a fit for him. I don't think the scheme works for him. And I expect him to get claimed by somebody. Maybe the Maybe the Packers <laughs> bring him home. And then Eric Wilson, I think, is kind of your backup, Mike, alongside Caden, who is kind of your starting Sam. I have questions about Eric Wilson in coverage. He got beat kind of cold on a third and 10 play where the tight end just outran him to the edge of the field and converted to first down. And, like, that's the type of play where you're just like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. But then, you know, you see him kind of tracking on run plays, and it's impressive, and he tackles well. And so I can see why you keep him on the roster. He's always around the ball. He's forced two turnovers in, in preseason. So... I like him. I think he stays around. And then Nephi Sewell is your cover linebacker. I think he has cover traits that no one else in that group has um, outside of a, maybe a Pete Werner because he was a safety and he has kind of those instincts. There were a, a couple plays in that game uh, against the chargers that, you know, I think at least one of them, everyone was like, Oh, he missed the tackle. He missed the tackle. No, he got blocked in the back. Like it was a screenplay. I tweeted about this. It was a screen A little slip screen they set up to the running back. And everything up to the tackle was perfect, right? He broke on the play before Chase Daniel even set to throw. He was upfield. And the only thing that went wrong was the (laughs) offensive lineman who pushed him in the back did not get called for a penalty. I thought this when I watched it live, but I couldn't be sure with the angle. But once you see the all 22 in the end zone angle, you can see clearly he has two hands on his numbers and he's just shoving him and he's like okay that should have been a 10-yard penalty or a 15-yard penalty whatever a block in the back is and it wasn't so i'm not holding that against him it would be great if he could have still made that play despite being fouled but i'm not going to i'm not going to hold a foul against him when the refs are the one who made the mistake so anyway i thought it was a good play by him because he forced the offensive lineman to foul him it just didn't get called the other thing that that stood out to me in the first half of that game on the touchdown drive, which was that same drive. The chargers had two separate first and goal plays because Vincent gray got called for pass interference in the end zone. And it reset it to first and goal twice. Nephi Sewell and Marcus may sliced into the backfield and stopped a run short of the end zone. Um, And I thought those were really nice instincts on the goal line. And I think he's done enough. I think that, you know, we're seeing him get first team reps in practice. And like, I, I like John Bostic. I like Chase Hansen. They have not done anything that gets me excited, right? Um, Chase Hansen, I think, probably earned a spot and lost a spot. And he earned the spot by doing what he has always done. And then he lost the spot by doing what he has always <laughs> done, which, you know, has been get hurt. Um, and so it's just hard for me to put a lot of faith in him. But. You know, you never know. Maybe maybe his injury is not as significant, and they're just kind of keeping him out in the background so that they can bring him back. But that list is who I'm keeping. Demario, Werner, Ellis, Sewell, Wilson, and Dal.
1: Yeah, the one, only one for me, I could see Bostic, obviously, maybe becoming a practice squad guy uh, just because he, he seemed to show a lot in that preseason finale, too. He just a reliable veteran presence for this team. Like what I've seen out of Nephi plays hard. You can tell he wants it and just has a speed ability uh, too in that, in the linebacking court to provide for you. I'm all aboard too, with, you know, there's just too many questions with chase Hansen's health. It's not his ability to play someone that who who knows if another team will take a chance on him. They has been a guy that's been around this team since 2019 and it's just we've we've seen it every year, of what the injury issues have been a problem, and and again it's hurting him. But with Demario Werner, Caden Ellis, Dowell Wilson, and Sewell, I, I, I have that pretty much locked up as the linebacking group as well. And as we it'll, we'll have to see what happens with Werner's groin issue because <laughs> you know we we saw that he was able to come back from it initially. But then disappeared again and we really haven't seen him since. So you've heard it here first.
2: Um Steve is going to be watching Pete Werner's groin very closely. Close eye on it, yep. Yeah. He's gonna have the binoculars. He's just going to be looking directly at Pete Werner's groin <laughs> all all throughout camp practice. We're gonna get a half hour to watch practice on Monday. And Pete is Steve is gonna spend the entire
1: time Lying looking up that staring groin. at
2: Pete Werner's groin <laughs> just to see what's going on there. That's we have the dedication. This is dedication.
1: I just hope we at least see him get on the bike even and, and do some work.
2: Yeah. Well, you got to. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that give you a good groin a good picture of the groin. If you do that, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the one thing I will say is we're going to have to, uh, if, if Nephi does make the roster, we're going to have to shoot Mark Romig a text and have him double check the pronunciation guide because he said Nephi or he said Nephi Sewell multiple times uh, in the stadium.
1: Oh, During I didn't hear game. that.
2: Yeah, he did. Well, because I thought I heard it once, and then I heard it again to confirm. And yeah, he was saying Nephi. Um, well,
1: so. well, I can tell you for sure. I'm looking at the flip chart right now, and it clearly says Nephi. They added it. It wasn't there for
2: the first two games. Right, right. They added that, and Mark clearly did not get the memo of of that name update. So, and and I was like, I'm not gonna bug him about it unless he makes the roster. Because if he gets right. cut, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if he makes it, we probably should make sure we get that updated. Anyway, we've talked about that name so much. Like, we have done our job. We have done our job to educate the masses on how to say this man's name. So if you get it wrong, that's on you. <laughs> and that means you don't listen to our podcast.
1: I'm, I'm also seeing, too, on the, the flip chart, which is, I, I need this, because I feel like I say it different every time. Tyron Matthew. I always
2: say it correctly. So that's you. That's not a me problem. That's a you Definitely. problem.
1: Definitely, I always have an issue. I don't know. I feel like every time I'm creating a new way to say Tyron Matthew. Tyren, Tyren,
2: Tyron, Tyran <laughs> Tyron, Tyron. Yeah. I've heard a lot of them, but it is Tyron. I even checked with Haas because uh, it's his job to say these names correctly. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Let's move on. Let's move to uh, not Tyron's position, but close to it. We're going to talk about cornerback. You know, I said defensive tackle kind of feels like the most set. <laughs> a a layup too. It's not. This is the most set group. You have Marshawn Lattimore. I think he's going to make this roster. Paulson mm, Adebo, Bradley Roby, Alante Taylor. End it right there. That is a that is an excellent group. The only question I have is Alante Taylor's health. I don't know. He's dealing with a hip thing. He's hasn't practiced a lot. You wonder if maybe you're going to redshirt him. I don't know, but. The guy who I think stood out in that final preseason game that I hadn't really taken any notes on before was Vincent Gray. He was in the game early as a cornerback across from Bradley Roby. He did have that penalty in the end zone, but I thought it was decent coverage. And it's just like, you know, he's not making this roster, but he was in good position. He made a play on the ball and he got too much of the jersey. And, you know, that's something you got to clean up. But I thought it was a decent play by him that got flagged and like, okay, you can see kind of him progressing Um, and then he shifted back to safety and played in the in the gray area as i'm calling it uh, alongside jt gray it was the back it was the secondary of gray and gray which i'm sure was great fun to call as the announcer and i thought he played pretty well as, as the free safety so you know there you go like i think when you can do that as a young player that adds value, and I think it's something that's going to basically guarantee him a spot on the practice squad. But that, I thought that he had a good performance. He's not making the roster, but I thought he had a good performance.
1: Yeah, positive two, I would say, on Tay Taylor uh, is the fact that at least he was suited up for Friday's game against the Chargers.
2: Yeah, yeah, and he's not a guy who you're going to have a lot, of, um, a lot of pressure on in his rookie season. So, uh, I mean, I think he makes it. And I think he's going to be an interesting guy to watch, but I think that's that Marshawn, Paulson, Bradley, that is your cornerback room and you're feeling really good about it. Let's move on to safety. Now, one thing to keep in mind is safety includes guys like CJ Gardner-Johnson, PJ Williams. So like, it's kind of the catch-all position, whereas like CJ isn't really a safety, right? PJ isn't really a safety, but they're sticking on the roster. So those are two guys then The other ones Tyron Matthew, obviously Marcus May and JT Gray because he's a special team standout. And then there is one more player that I think should make this roster, and that's Justin Evans. Absolutely, um, I agree. how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I, from what we've seen throughout camp and in games, just a guy that's been all over the place, uh, even creating turnovers, getting better on special teams. I think he's got a lot of upside for on this roster. And I'll give him that edge over a veteran like Daniel Sorensen.
0: Well, look, I'll be honest with you. That was one of the areas that we had a discussion with him about uh, improving in that area. Um, so that'll be part of the evaluation process. But, you know, I, I, he made a nice play uh, punching that ball out. And then there was another, I think it was a third down stop uh, that he made a nice play on, too. So, you know, he's he's a guy that, that you know, has caught my eye a little bit.
2: Yeah, so that was Dennis Allen on Justin Evans. Um, He was talking about special teams, and that was an area that he felt like Justin had to improve. And I think that he has improved to the extent that you feel a little better about it. And he, you know, he intercepted the ball against the Texans. He punched the ball out against the Chargers, and he's always around the ball. He forced a punt on a third down with a PBU. And, you know, it's hard to watch him and not come away thinking, yeah, this is a guy who should be on the roster and so i think if i had my say i'm keeping him on there and that's my sixth safety
1: uh yeah with uh with uh justin evans i totally agree and the fact that you know you know he's another guy kind of like a chase hansen that's dealt with a number of injuries over his career high draft pick of the buccaneers and just hasn't really been in football uh very much because of those injuries
2: yeah and the only guy that i feel like might make the roster that i'm kind of overlooking is Daniel Sorensen just because he has been so involved in those special teams units. He's been on the first team for a lot of these special teams units and I could see him being a guy you bring back. I just don't know. It's just tough for me to cut any of these guys. It's tough for me to keep seven safeties, but I could see it. Maybe you keep one fewer linebacker and, and you keep Sorensen. Maybe you cut the and you keep Sorensen, but you know, I, I feel okay cutting cutting Sorensen, but they did sign him. They like him. So, I, I, you know, that could go either way. I am, that's one of the positions I'm really interested to see how it shakes out on Tuesday. Cause a lot of these I'm confident in, safety is the one where I'm like trying to speak Justin Evans into existence because I want to see him on the roster, but the Saints might be viewing it differently.
1: Yeah. I think his play, though, the offseason and in the preseason has really, pushed his way onto the roster and really good for him yeah but it it
2: might be one of those situations where we're watching him play safety right whereas this final this is probably if not the last roster spot one of the last two or three and so we're really excited about what we've seen at a position where he's really not going to be playing and so if it comes down to okay, this last roster spot is about special teams and you're weighing Justin Evans on special teams versus Daniel Sorensen on special teams. It might end up with a different equation than what we're kind of watching and reacting to, which is always make a place on the ball, blah, blah, blah. That's where, you know, I think when you make mistakes in these projections, that's where you do it, where you're overvaluing something that isn't going to be that person's main role like dejon Dixon after that first preseason game he made a couple really nice catches and that's great but he's not going to be running these routes if he makes this roster he's going to have to be a jammer or a gunner he's going to have to do something there he's going to have to make tackles on punts and kickoffs and um, that's where I think when you miss the roster as a young player that's where you do it and that's where if Justin Evans misses the roster that's probably where he's going to do it.
1: Well, and you talked about these other positions too. They were saying, you know, slam dunks, spe- special teams is an easy layup too. Will Lutz, Gillikin. Oh, that's you know, what you meant.
2: No, I'm cutting Will Lutz.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: you can feels- find a, you can find another kicker. We, I mean, yeah, I mean, last year was so much fun. I just want to do it again. Let's cut Will, and uh, we'll see what we can get. Uh, Start at doing tryouts. Yeah, I mean, Aldrich Roses was fun. Let's do that again. Zach Wood. I mean, come on. Why would you keep him? Blake Gilligan, 81 yards, come on. I saw a guy kick 82, but we don't want to talk about him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to me, like, you know, that position of kicker, obviously, you don't appreciate them till they're gone kind of thing. And luckily, Lutz has shown the distance and accuracy has not been depleted after his injury last year. And I think he went like 49
2: of 51 in camp.
1: Right. That's pretty good, I would say. Yeah. That's pretty solid. I don't yep.
2: think we have to discuss that too much. I was joking. I'm not cutting Will Lutz. Sign him to a lifetime contract, never let him leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need like your your we need like the sarcastic quotes or something.
2: Yeah, I wish like I wish there was a sarcasm font on uh on Twitter. I wish there was a sarcasm voice I could make. Cut Will Lutz. There it is. No. That's yeah, I'll talk like I'll talk like the mad dog when I when I'm being sarcastic and I want to say something stupid because that's what he does. All the time. Just anyway. start yelling into the microphone. <laughs> Back in my day. This podcast has gone completely off the rails. But yeah. Anyway.
1: But that that's pretty much our 53. That's
2: that cool. is the 53. We went through all of them. And I don't know why we went into specialists with the defense, but we did. So that's 25 on offense, 25 on defense, three on special teams. And in case that wasn't clear, that was Will Lutz. As the kicker, Blake Gillikin as the punter, and Zach Wood as the long snapper. The position that I would—I I get asked like, "Oh, if you were a football player, what position would you play?" And I always say a uh, long snapper because you can have like a 20-year career, and you know, all you have to do is throw the ball back to the other guy and then get off the field. If he misses, no one blames you, right? Like all you—you you have to get it to him. And then he does the hard work. Like he does the thing that everyone's going to remember, but you get paid anyway. So
1: yeah, I just uh, have to look up real quick. The average annual salary too, for a long snapper, 800K. Yeah, I think I could live on that. That's not bad at all,
2: right? Not terrible. I mean, like, think about it. Like if you have a 10 year career, you know, as a long snapper, you're making $800,000 a year. You know, your, your lifetime earnings, you know, you're ending up with seven, $8 million. That's not a terrible, uh, not a terrible way to, to to make some to make some cash
1: and Bonnie's so, definitely not taking the beating either
2: right you're not getting hit I mean Zach Wood made a tackle on special teams and everyone was like oh my gosh oh, like right he doesn't even have to do that like him doing that is them is like enough to like give him a high five like that's not even part of his role he's literally just there spinning the ball I actually saw him uh, I thought it was interesting when he was warming up at the superdome before the practice there and he was doing like overhand snaps. And he was just like spinning the ball. And I was like, yeah, these long snappers, man, they got all their drills. They got very, they got one very specific thing and they do it all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not a, a sexy position that you're going to get any kind of credit for. Uh, you know, you're not getting the big stats or, you know, no one's drafting you in fantasy football, but still. I'm going to
2: draft him. I'm going to draft Zach Wood.
1: It's it's still obviously an important spot on your roster that, you know, just another guy that doesn't get much love.
2: Yeah, and that's why he always wins the uh home run derby that they do because he has nothing else to do but sit there and practice, <laughs> and like, like his hobby is to be the ringer of the of the home run derby that the Saints haven't run in three years. But yeah, Maybe I'm a big Zach Wood fan. I was also a Zach Line fan, but now I'm a big Zach Wood fan.
1: It's something about Zach's
2: the Zach Line Wood Band.
1: S- sounds no, like a long.
2: That's not it. Okay. I think that's the end of this podcast. We went through our entire 53-man roster. And uh, again, if you're listening to this after 3 p.m. Tuesday, we were probably wrong. But we're going to find out. I think it's going to be really interesting, especially what they do at linebacker, wide receiver. I think running back has kind of sorted itself out. But safety and tight end. I think those are the positions that we're going to look at and be interested to see how our picks stack up with their decisions.
1: Yeah, I think the linebacker one definitely is the biggest question for me at least that there could be some differences that from what we mentioned but other than that I don't know. I think I think it's solid in what we were talking about that you know the 53 that the Saints team's going in with. The question's going to be later in the week when some of these other guys are released from other teams who the team, the Saints might have their eye on and bringing into this roster that were on other squads. I agree with you. Um, but okay, I think
2: that's gonna wrap it up. This is gonna be a nightmare to record um, or to to edit because uh, I didn't have my office today. So if you hear if you heard any weird sounds, that's probably my dog prancing around like a maniac or me just coughing. Uh, but either way, thanks for everyone who listened. Um, we have about two weeks left until two weeks from today, two weeks from Sunday, which is we're recording on Sunday until the saints opener but we will be back in the superdome a week from sunday to watch lsu play florida state so we'll get we'll get an early uh, introduction to real football in the dome but until then you know we're gonna keep publishing and we're gonna keep doing podcasts and we'll probably react to the 53-man roster on our next episode so uh thanks everyone for
1: listening make sure to hit that subscribe button inside black and gold look for us wherever you get your podcast. Download, listen, and comment, please. Peace, y'all.